Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. What if we were AI and doing the show? Right? I just heard this. Have you heard that spot? Oh, AI is about... I haven't talking about AI, so... Will that happen? It's an automated voice thing that does a talk show. What what would that be like? Emotionless, right? I don't know. It'd have to be. Maybe it wouldn't have to be. I, mean, I don't. I don't even want to contemplate that future. We've talked about you know our demise from any particular perspective. Yeah, we take it over by a robot. That's right? a new one. Anyway, just thought about that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Welcome into the ride home today. Yeah. Uh, a solemn day in Pittsburgh. It I is would a say. solemn day. Uh, it's a lot of. I feel really heavy about it. Me too. A lot of hard emotions. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this. Uh, I am not pro death penalty. I'm not either. But. And that's I can't. A big I, I can't disagree with this verdict. Can you? Are you do you disagree with the verdict? No, no. And the the job that the jurors have done to sit in that room day and after day, all that, and, and weigh then, it all. Right. And, oh. No. So yeah, uh, if you have not heard, of course the the Tree of Life verdict has been announced today that Robert Bowers has been sentenced to death. Um, my guess is he probably will never face that sentence. Most federal prisoners don't, right, if any. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk uh, for, with our first guest about that in just a little bit. But it is a, a sad and solemn day. I mean, how many times – I drive by the Tree of Life at least five times a week. Mm-hmm. And here it's been almost five years. People talk about a day like this, and, you know, the families – families would say sometimes – well, this is closure, which I, I find hard to believe. There's no, there's closure, no closure here. Well, I just don't think there's any closure. Closure I mean, I think that there's been a verdict that's been carried out. It doesn't bring the people back. No, it doesn't change the horror of everything that you've experienced since that day. I think one of the, I don't know, I've always wondered about this. I wonder if that is a disappointment, if you... If you have suffered such a loss like that and you think that closure will will come when a verdict is read and then you still don't feel it. Yeah. I mean, how could you feel? What would you – nothing's – like you said, nothing's going to bring back your loved one. So there's never going to be any closing of the wound that's in your heart to see that someone has been convicted and ultimately the sentence – will be carried out even you know yes i think was it yesterday there was an execution mm-hmm. does that family i mean <laughs> i don't know kindness, I, just I, I, I don't know I, I was thinking about the jury and how really for our benefit the people in pittsburgh and people all across the united states they willingly submitted to learning every detail of that attack Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and every detail of Robert Bauer's background and the background of all those who lost their lives that day. And I just, I'm, I'm really humbled that people would be, would say yes to that type of task because you're, you're going into one of the darkest parts of human history, trying to assess why, uh, why someone 
committed a mass killing and what do we do about it? Uh, for those of us who read the news every day, we don't have even the smallest glimpse of what those jurors were told of and shown. No. And for the killer, a brutally sad life. Oh, the... brutally sad. I, I was overwhelmed at the testimony just over the last week about what his growing up was like, what his mother was like, mm -hmm. what his extended the situation r regarding the family of his grandparents. Chaos. Oh, my gosh. It's just really it's just all I feel today is overwhelming sadness about it, about the whole thing. I mean, I'm, there's gratefulness, like I said, mixed into the jury, the judge, everyone, you know, all the police officers, uh, first responders that were there that day. But overall, it's just incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk in just a little bit, as I said, um, Bruce Ankoviak, he was with us uh, maybe a month or so back. And, and when I think about this often, Bruce said the first time he joined us, there's a line here, right? Society has a line. Despite the insanity that we live in day to day. Mm -hmm. And clearly that, that line was crossed. Clearly, a mass murder. You know what else we take for granted is that we, all of us listening to this for the most part, um, are living in a country where people are brought to justice for things. I mean, there are countries on earth where there is absolutely no measure of earthly justice. Right. It never happens. People don't even expect it. People have learned to live with one injustice upon it, injustice upon injustice. But that's just how life is. Yeah. And so I. So the fact that in this case, in this country, in this city, that there has is a measure of justice, mm -hmm. we should be we should be grateful to God that we're living in a society that values the lives of those people who died enough mm -hmm. that this is the what they think is the appropriate verdict. Amen to that. So on this sad day, peace be with you, to you and yours. Right? We look at each other, you look at people in the eye, and you think, we are the image of God. Uh, and you are the image of God, and they are the image of God. And despite the heinousness of the world that we live in, the chaos, the evil that we are surrounded by, aren't you glad that you know God yeah, on a yeah. day like today, mm -hmm. that God's in your life and in your spouse's life, your family's life, your children, that peace be with you, God's peace on all of our lives here today. In spite of all of this. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Come back. All right. We're going to come back. Bruce Ankoviak, as, as we said, from St. Vincent College, where he is a law professor, will join us in just a few minutes. And uh, Bruce, we imagine, will make some sense of this from a legal perspective. Stay with us. One point five Word FM W O R D. The Bible contains stories of larger than life people who face larger than life challenges. But this week on a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the heroes of the Bible were a lot like us, and the lessons they learned we can learn as well. Tune in for the series Heroes of the Bible this week on a new beginning. A new beginning with Greg Laurie weekday mornings at ten thirty on W O R D. Let's face it, talking about life insurance is never easy. But after we watched a close friend lose her husband with no insurance, we decided that wasn't going to happen to our family. Yeah. 
But shopping for life insurance can be almost as difficult as talking about it. But then we heard about Ethos Life Insurance. They're a new kind of life insurance built for people on a busy schedule who don't have time for unnecessary doctor's visits, fine print, or hidden fees. You know, who want to keep it simple. I couldn't believe how easy it was. We answered a few basic questions, and within minutes, we had an estimate of what it would cost and what sort of policy made sense for us. I never imagined life insurance could be so affordable. And accessible. The peace of mind knowing that our future is secure, it just removes a lot of the fear around getting older and... Yeah, the unexpected. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad we went with ethoslife.com. Go to getethos.com now for your free estimate. That's getethos.com. Getethos.com. Attention Medicaid patients. If you're on Medicaid, how would you like if your caretaker was your daughter, your son, your grandchild, or your close friend? If you're on Medicaid, Freedom Care allows you to choose who provides your care, and that caregiver will get paid instantly after their shift. Yes, your caregiver will get paid instantly, and it's 100% free to you if you are on Medicaid. Call 412-990-1365 and ask Freedom Care how to get started with care today. No more worrying about getting care from an aide at an agency. Freedom Care helps you choose who you want to take care of you, and that person gets paid. Call Freedom Care at 412-990-1365. That's 412-990-1365. To get started today, you get a caregiver you know and trust. And they get paid instantly after their shift, and it's free to you. Start now by calling 412-990-1365. That's 412-990-1365. Or go to freedomcare.com. Word FM presents the Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing and Solar. Enter now for your chance to win the perfect date night for two. August 18th, our grand prize couple will be swept away on our Gateway Clipper dinner cruise, followed by a romantic night stay at the mansions on 5th. Grand prize to be awarded August 11th, followed by three more weekly dinner for two giveaways during August. The Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing and Solar, creating lasting relationships with customers for over 50 years. Enter now at wordfm.com. Bruce Ankoliak is with us. Bruce is a law professor at St. Vincent College. He, like a lot of us, have been following closely the Tree of Life trial, and here to talk to us about that now is Bruce. Bruce, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Bruce, uh, John and I were just speaking before the break about what a solemn day this is in Pittsburgh, um, and uh, I feel just a sense of overwhelming sadness about the whole thing. Um, uh, but a measure of justice um, has been uh, meted out by the jury. And so, of course, we are all grateful for that there is a we live in a society where that's a thing that happens. Um, first off, were you surprised by the verdict? No, uh, I certainly was not surprised by the verdict. Um, the The case has boiled down to the sole issue of whether life or death was the appropriate sentence. There was never any question about guilt. There was never any real question about the government could prove the aggravating circumstances that would make the defendant eligible for the death penalty. The only question was whether the the extensive effort the defense put in to uh, set forth in front of the jury all the psychological evidence, the historical evidence, the sociological evidence regarding the defendant would be sufficient to mitigate in the minds of at least one of the jurors, mm-hmm. it, it, the the horrific nature of the crime, and uh, evidently it was not. Um, the jury unanimously found all the aggravating circumstances, 
and was really split on a, on a number of the mitigating circumstances, but certainly uh, none of those were found sufficient to to cause a mitigation and a lessening of the potential death penalty. Mm-hmm. And say what you will, and of course, a lot to be said here, Bruce. But you know, as you're reading along, like we did, your heart did break uh, for the guy. I mean, despite him being a monster and in, in mass murder, I mean, what a way to grow up and uh, be thrown into the grist mill of brutality. The guy never really, essentially, had a chance. Uh, you know, seriously, th- this this case, I think, besides the impacts on various people involved in this. I think this is a case that should cause a lot of us to reflect on something. Um, indeed, in the last 10, 15, 20, even longer than that, we have had to confront the fact that mental illness in various manifestations is a very serious issue afflicting many, many people in our society. And much of that mental illness is rooted in the horrific upbringing that many children have to endure. Uh, And, you know, while maybe 50 or 100 years ago we could attribute acts like this simply to evil on the part of the individual, we have been forced to look at the fact that mental illness in many cases leaves people with very little cognitive options to choose courses of conduct in their lives. And, and it is a good thing that we are evolving into a greater understanding of this. But all that said, all that said, there still comes a point at which you ask yourself whether or not it is necessary for society to draw a line. And see, I, when, when, as I was thinking about this case, I thought of a, a great line from uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, who said about talked about pain and that pain is God's megaphone, a terrible instrument that tells us that something is very seriously wrong, but that it has a salutary effect. He said pain can sometimes plant the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. And that planting that flag of truth is deciding that at some point there is a line there is a point of demarcation, a place beyond which we cannot allow those in our society to operate, that we have to draw that line at some point. Mm-hmm. And that this jury, I think, in, in the depth of its consideration, decided that this was the line. Now, they may be wrong. The line maybe should be moved one way or the other. But not to draw that line, not to have the courage to draw that line at some point, I, I think is the most dangerous thing of all. Because to, to not draw that line is to believe that everything is relative, that nothing has value, nothing has ultimate importance. And I think that if we are, if we are hoping to be a good and moral people, as a group, as a collective, I think we have to be able to decide that at some point there is a line out there. Hmm. 
That's well said. You know, I, John and I have talked about capital punishment in theory over many years on the show here, and both of us would say that we're against the death penalty. But exactly what you're saying, and the first time you said that to us, which was back in June on our show, it mm. really gave me pause about the fact that there, that what do we, there has, that that line has to exist. Order, structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I really appreciated that, Bruce. I appreciate you saying it today. Um, Bruce, talk about the role that the jurors have played and what type of commitment is asked from a group of people like that in a trial like this. This is something that will stay with these people for the rest of their lives. Sure. Um, these, these are people from all walks of life, from all over southwestern Pennsylvania, who never before have ever been given the authority they were given in this case to make a decision of this incredible magnitude. And, you know, while many people about this case or many others can sit in their living rooms, meet with friends, oh, throw out opinions here and there, when you take that oath and you're in that jury room and you understand that you have to sign that paper that makes that decision, it has it must have a profound effect on them and and i think that one of the things that must go through their minds is i am going to think about this decision for the rest of my life and i want to be able to reflect back on this and be satisfied that i did the right thing that i acted in the in the noblest possible way that i could and uh, by by taking that approach, by not being influenced just by the raw passions, the raw emotion of the moment, but by truly reflecting on the, the whole of the, of the issues here, if they did that, they will find peace in, in their reflection of this years to come. And indeed, they will have those reflections. Hmm. I, I mean... It is amazing, isn't it? I mean, it took weeks and weeks to assemble that jury pool. And, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people go, I'm not interested. I mean, I got a jury summons. I'm going to wiggle out of that one way or another. That those 12 people plus the, you know, the alternatives, the, the alternate uh, jurors, they stood up and they served their 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 civic duty for the good of all of us. I mean, uh, it's easy to be cynical in this day and age. We think, you know, things are rigged or things are out of control. The system worked. I truly do believe that. This, uh, well, I'm telling you, I, I'm not a person. I've been in the legal system for, my God, 40 years plus. I don't give Fourth of July speeches telling everybody that we have the most wonderful legal system ever devised by the mind of man, because I know we don't. Hmm. I know there are many problems in it. There are many deficiencies. We don't always do justice. But this case, I think, gave us a little bit of an example. We had attorneys on both sides of this case who gave every full ounce of devotion and time to this, who tried as best as humanly possible to bring all of their skill, knowledge, and, and responsible um, actions as members of the bar to making this trial a true test of the government's case. And in doing that, they were showing all of us how our system is supposed to work. We don't have a system that puts in place um, some big high government official who decides whether we're guilty or innocent. Uh, 
We have a process, and we believe in that process. And when the lawyers carry out that process with the noble way that the lawyers on both sides did here, you have the best chance of having society invest its faith in the outcome, Mm -hmm. that this was the right outcome. And, yeah, I, I commend those lawyers on both sides for this because they gave us that example, and I think the satisfaction that people can get out of this or, or any verdict that would have come about was the result of the fact that this case was tried at the very highest level. We're happy to have Bruce Ankobiak with us today, law professor at St. Vincent College, talking about the uh, jury delivering the death sentence in the Tree of Life trial today. Uh, Bruce, I wonder if we can talk about some of the nuts and bolts of the case. Um, For those of us who aren't familiar with legalese or uh, haven't spent any time in the legal profession, I wonder if I could ask you about the aggravating factors. Uh, I'm reading here from the Trib. Um, These were the ones that the jurors unanimously found, uh, that there were multiple victims, that the crime required substantial planning and premeditation, that he Mm -hmm. created a grave risk to others, that he expressed hatred and contempt toward Jews, that he targeted the victims because they were Jewish, that he showed no remorse, and that he caused serious physical and emotional injury to other members of the synagogue and the police officers who responded that way. Mm -hmm. The jurors did not agree on or accept all of the 115 mitigating factors listed by the defense. So can you talk about that terminology and what that means? Sure. Many years ago, when the United States Supreme Court um, struck down the death penalties that existed all over the country, they did so because they said that the system in which states were imposing the death penalty were completely random and arbitrary. And they, they basically held that if a state or a federal government wanted to have a death penalty, there had to be a better structure for how this would occur. The death penalty can only be be imposed uh, in in the normal case of an individual guilty of first-degree murder, premeditated murder. But then not all premeditated murders qualify for the death penalty. Hmm. There are those premeditated murders that have certain features that make them more heinous, make the individual more dangerous. And the legislature, in this case Congress, identified those factors. These are the factors that separate this case out from another case of first-degree murder. And to qualify for the death penalty, you not only have to be guilty of first-degree murder, you have to have committed one of these aggravating circumstances, and the government has to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. If they do that, then you become eligible enter then the mitigating circumstances. There is essentially no limit on what mitigating circumstances can be. And the defense in this case listed 115, I think, uh, factors about not only uh, Bauer's upbringing, but his psychiatric condition that they argued were factors that should mitigate against the death penalty. And this is wide open, and it's wide open for this reason. When you get to that point in the trial where the jury is weighing aggravating and mitigating circumstances, the jury is, in fact, sitting as if it was the judge in a non-jury trial. 
they can account for everything. And in every case, the simplest cases that go before any court in a criminal system, a judge will find out what damage was caused. What do the victims say? Um, What is this guy's criminal record? Um, You know, are, are there any other factors that weigh in positively or negatively to the sentence that I'm going to give this person? That's what a jury is supposed to do. And so in a mitigating circumstance, only one juror has to find that a mitigating circumstance has been proven by a preponderance of the evidence, not beyond a reasonable doubt. Then the jury has to weigh up those mitigating circumstances. Um, When they do that, they return a verdict that the courts have designated a moral judgment. At this point, based upon everything that we have seen and the findings we have made about aggravating circumstances, our judgment is that the death penalty is the appropriate penalty in this case. So it, it's, it's a very unusual thing. It's not, this doesn't happen in other aspects of the criminal law, but it happens in this way because, again, a number of years ago, the Supreme Court dictated that there had to be a structure to a death penalty case, that it shouldn't be just a random um, process that that would obviously lead open to, to arbitrary and capricious imposition of the death penalty. Interesting, Bruce. We need to step away. Can you stay with us for a little bit longer? Yes. Oh, fabulous. Thank you, Bruce Ankowiak. He's a law professor at St. Vincent College. We're talking today about uh, the Tree of Life uh, verdict, the death penalty verdict that was announced today. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's one to one point five Word FM W O R D. Uncle Ryan has challenged us to explain in our own words why our direct lender advantage is awesome for Word FM listeners who want to buy a new home or do a cash out refinance. Challenge accepted. Let's say you come to us for an ice cold lemonade. Best on the block, baby. Now, luckily, we've got our own lemons from the lemon tree in our backyard. There's no trips to the grocery store. No middleman. Which means no paying extra to the middleman. No added time going back and forth with grocery lemon person. And most importantly, we're using our own lemons so we can often charge you less than good old johnny boy down the street doesn't johnny know this is our street we are united faith mortgage our direct lender advantage often allows us to move faster and because we're using our own money within our own walls we can often get you a better rate which can save you monthly and lifelong money unitedfaithmortgage.com United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And a blessing 1330. That's Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Junction Center Productions presents Colton Dixon and Jordan Feliz. Love and Light Tour. I will build a boat in November 19th, Greensburg, Pennsylvania. At Word of Life Church. Colton Dixon and Jordan Feliz. Love and Light Tour. Sponsored by Compassion International. One night, two artists, all your favorite songs. Get your tickets at JunctionCenterProductions.com. Friday, August 18th, join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress. It's our Faith and Family Dinner Cruise from 6.30 to 9. Enjoy a special night out for families, couples, and groups of friends. Featuring a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The Ride Homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. But don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinner cruise. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right? Call doing it by- 724 New Roof. 
We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Tonight we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a nighttime low of 61. Partly sunny, more humid tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 86. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 67. Partly sunny skies on tap for Friday with a thunderstorm. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. verdict has been reached in today's courtrooms here in western Pennsylvania. A death sentence has been handed down. We're talking about the Tree of Life massacre almost five years ago here in uh, Squirrel Hill. And, of course, I think a lot of us have been following along closely. Bruce Ankowiak is with us. He's a law professor at St. Vincent College. He's like a lot of us, has been watching, listening carefully. Uh, Bruce, let me ask you some questions about, uh, I guess the first one would be about mitigating circumstances, but the rest would be state of mind of the defendant um, mm-hmm. and what was uh, what was disclosed during the trial. Um, the first mitigating circumstance, of course, was what was testified um, by several people about Robert Bauer's mother. Um, and in the uh, statement today, uh, the jury all agreed that Robert Bauer's mother was ill-equipped to be a parent and that he lived a troubled, chaotic childhood, um, culminating in his hospitalization for mental illness several times. Um, But then there was disagreement about whether there was a familial risk or a familiar link of schizophrenia. Um, So that's one thing. But then looking further, um, George Corvin, who's a psychiatrist, testified that he had interviewed Robert Bowers for 39 hours over 10 sessions. He testified that he that Bowers did have delusional schizophrenia, marked by a belief that Satan will cause a race war ending in the obliteration of whites, that Satan is using Jews in that effort, and that Robert Bowers still envisions what he did as an unfortunate act of violence at the direction of God, that it will save lives. Ryan Darby, who's a behavioral neurologist, uh, testified that Robert Bowers told him if he could do it over, he would do more research to ensure more people were killed. Um, that was that was news to me. I, I did not I did not know those facts until reading um, the article in the Trib today. So talk about defendant state of mind. Talk about what's considered and what you know about this portion of the trial. There, there was also, of course, conflicting. Uh, testimony offered by government psychiatrists uh, that that Bowers was not schizophrenic. <clears throat> um, the, the law, as a general matter, uh, has always been very uh, reticent to rely too much on psychiatry. Uh, the defense of insanity, although it's a very popular defense when when, when we watch things on TV and all is really used very, very rarely in the court system because the defense of insanity requires virtually either that the defendant is not aware of the act that he is doing. I'm not aware that I'm shooting people. I think I'm watering my lawn. Or that, yeah, I'm doing this, but there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. So this this is a very extreme standard that the law has adopted, which makes it very difficult for any defendant to try to meet it. In a death penalty case, and in this case for sure, 
there was no claim that Bowers was insane. There was a claim that his mental condition was such that he should not be fully attributed with a malevolent um, mindset that that should therefore subject him to the most serious punishment, that he was afflicted by serious uh, medically diagnosable, uh, psychologically traceable incidents and afflictions that could account for this and would mitigate against the the purely volitional aspects of, of his conduct. There was a, a great deal of evidence about this and a great deal of controversy. The, the government psychiatrists were saying, no, he was not schizophrenic. Um, and again, a person that has views that that they have identified one group or another as a dangerous group per se, this doesn't make them insane. And yes, it should be considered by a jury, but again weighed up against the nature of the act, the act being one where this was not something that arose, uh, you know, automatically on one particular Saturday. This was planned. This was uh, calculated. Uh, a, a large scale of armament was secured for this purpose, and it was systematically carried out. And in the wake of it, most of the statements were not of regret, but in some cases, uh, jokes were made by the defendant about what had happened. And when when that when that is laid before a jury, um, the 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 standard for what will mitigate that crime certainly goes way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce, can you talk about the delicacy of? the movement of this trial forward. I mean, just the other day, there was a motion to declare a mistrial. Um, I'm sure appeals will be filed, as they are more often than not. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but the prosecution, uh, uh, very, very, I'm sure, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, to ensure that justice is served. Can you speak to that? It, it behooves a prosecutor that wants the conviction to stand up and it behooves a prosecutor who wants the public to have faith in the outcome to toe the ethical line as much as possible uh, to to afford the defendant due process. And one of the interesting things is if you look into the, the ethical demands on a prosecutor, the ethical demands on a prosecutor are to make sure the defendant has a fair trial. And a prosecutor is wise to do that, is very wise to insist that this defendant receive all the procedural benefits that should be afforded to them. If there is additional time that is needed, take the time. But because otherwise, you are simply setting up the prospect of an appeal. Now, the defense is going to be making every motion that it can. It needs to preserve that record for the appeal. But to the extent to which the prosecutors don't, do not overplay their hand, and the prosecutors had plenty of ammunition in this case that was entirely relevant, that was going to come in, 
they didn't need to overplay anything in this case to put forth a very strong case. Uh, and by and by moderating that, they they are trying to make the case thoroughly insulated from an appeal. We need to step away for just a minute. Bruce Ankowiak is with us. He's a law professor at St. Vincent College. We're talking about the verdict of death that was delivered today in a courtroom here in Western Pennsylvania. We'll continue on with this conversation with Ruth Ankowiak in just a minute. Stay with us. WORD. It's summer in Pittsburgh, but already Word FM is talking about heading back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals now at wordfm.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Just the other night, I was asked that question. Well, the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. And the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, and each one of them helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's the point. So approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. If you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it'll work for you. It has worked for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. I'm one of them. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major your investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. Word FM presents the Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing and Solar. Enter now for your chance to win the perfect date night for two. August 18th, our grand prize couple will be swept away on our Gateway Clipper dinner cruise, followed by a romantic night stay at the mansions on Grand prize to be awarded August 11th, followed by three more weekly dinner for two giveaways during August. The Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing and Solar, creating lasting relationships with customers for over 50 years. Enter now at wordfm.com. We're speaking with Bruce Ankowiak, who's a professor of law at St. Vincent College, about the Tree of Life verdict, which was delivered today. Bruce, uh... Talk about why you think the jury wanted uh, to see the guns. 
That's the one request they made after they uh, were sequestered for uh, deliberation, and then they asked to come back into the courtroom. Yeah, that was very that was very interesting. Um, I the guns were obviously they're, they're obviously clearly an exhibit in the trial. When you ask yourself what what relevance would they be with respect to the sentencing phase? Mm-hmm. Uh, they would certainly indicate this kind of very high-powered, very sophisticated weaponry was secured for the purpose of carrying out a mass shooting. Mm. And the government certainly argued that this kind of weapons are not used for, you know, by personal self-defense normally. They're not used normally for hunting. The, these these are capable of delivering a large amounts of deadly rounds in a relatively short period of time, which would be entirely consistent with a well thought out plan to cause a great deal of death. I think I think the jurors probably had never seen up close weapons like that and probably wanted to take a look at that. I also think that possibly what the jury was doing was going systematically through the case, looking at the the incident itself, mm, mm-hmm. and then going through the, the other testimony they heard sequentially uh, before they started to fill out that jury form. Hmm. So, Bruce, can you speak to the, the journey that Robert Bowers will now face, um, where he will essentially uh, land and um, serve the sentence if and when he is executed and what that life would be like? Yes, he he most certainly, once sentenced, will be transferred to the U.S. Penitentiary at Terre Haute, Indiana, which is where the um, the, the death chamber for the federal inmates uh, is maintained. Um, he will be in isolation. Uh, he will not be in a population of other inmates. Um, his he is usually I think they are usually allowed only two hours a day out of their cell uh, for a minimal amount of recreation. Um, he will be able to speak on the phone once or twice a month. Those phone calls will be monitored by U.S. Marshals. He will be able to have visitors who will be able to visit him through the glass. Those visits will also be monitored by prison officials. And um, he will essentially be in isolation hmm. until the time that, um, a- assuming that the, all of the appeals are, are lost and the president signs off on, a, on an execution until the day of the execution. I see. Uh, any idea how many people are on death row right now in the federal, federal system? I, I believe it's in, in the 40s. Uh, that 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 number I think I have seen is the, the numbers of 40s on death row, and certainly the numbers have gone up in the last couple of years because um, the current Justice Department has undertaken a, a careful review of each death penalty case. They have not had executions in the previous administration had a, a considerable number, mm-hmm. and that of course can change when if a new administration comes into into power. Right. But in all probability, most likely, he'll die in jail. I mean, of natural causes. Well, that's – he's 50 years old. Is it going to take a long period of time? Maybe. Um, that time in isolation is 
um, more than than 24 hours long in a day. Um, a lot of studies have shown that isolated time is far more wearing on an individual. Okay. And uh, so, yes, um, uh, there there is there is at least a uh, a more than a, a reason chance that. That a, that a person of his age may well not live to see their execution. Bruce, uh, I did look up the numbers. You were correct. Uh, 43 people are currently on okay. federal death row uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. 19 of them are white, 17 are black, 6 are Latino, and 1 is Asian, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. The oldest conviction uh, dates to 1993. The most recent is 2019. Um, and the majority of prisoners there are there for killing someone in relation to a drug crime or bank robbery or while in prison. Yes. Um, let me ask a question to you, Bruce, about um, what the judge said to the jurors uh, today. This is I'm reading here from the Tribune Review. Uh, the judge thanked the jurors for their service, calling it, quote, a great responsibility and a great burden to bear. Appearing to choke up with his voice cracking slightly, the judge told the panel that he'd given the same speech to hundreds of juries over the years. Quote, I've never delivered it with as much sincerity as I did just now, he said. Uh, you, We started out our conversation talking about uh, the great service that the uh, that the jury gave to all of us. Um, hearing what the judge said to the jury with as much feeling as he did, um, how else do you reflect on that? I think that the judge, if if anything, is guilty of understatement. There, um, th- this is this is not a normal trial. Uh, there are, there have been many very serious cases in federal court, to be sure, just as there are many serious cases in state courts. But this this is a case in which the jurors have been in very much a pressure cooker atmosphere from the time of their initial summons to be potential jurors. Mm-hmm. And that courtroom, you, you, you have to imagine what it would have been like to have been in the courtroom. Uh, the, the absolute level of tension that exists in any homicide trial is palpable. I've often told young lawyers that I could walk into a courtroom and tell you if this was a murder trial without knowing it. Is that right? Yeah, because of the level of tension. The victim's family is on one side of the courtroom, the defendant's family on the other. There, there is a palpable level of tension that exists in there, and, and, it, and it doesn't dissipate. It, it exists throughout the course of the proceedings. And uh, when that jury comes back with the verdict, there is nothing like that feeling of waiting to hear what their decision is. And for the jurors, that is even multiplied by the fact that when they go into that jury room, they are faced with the reality that it is the 12 of them who have to make this decision. Is the 12 of them, nobody else. The judge is not going to guide them. The lawyers aren't there to help them. Uh, They have to make this decision. They have to put their names on that piece of paper. And that has has got to be an enormous, enormous pressure on any individual. And, And as I said before, they have to be thinking about the effects that 
will be on them long term and wanting very much to leave that courthouse feeling that they did this in the right way. Okay. That they, that they, um, uh, that, that they acted in a way that will make them proud in years to come. Um, you know, I, I think, I think back of, of President Lincoln's second inaugural and, and him saying that, you know, the, eventually he hoped that the, the nation would all come back and remember the importance of the Union. And he said, you know, that, that will happen when we listen to the angels of our better nature. And I, I kind of think that for the jurors, whether they, they expressed it in that way or not, they, they were hoping that at the end their decision would be motivated by their very best instincts. Interesting. And uh, that if it was, they would leave satisfied that they had done the best they could as human beings in this very, very difficult situation. I'm into that. Bruce, we're against the clock here. Our time is up. But before you go, uh, you're talking to people of faith, and I'm sure you yourself are a person of faith. Uh, when you think about this trial and the families, the victims, the murder, uh, how does it leave you as a connection to God? I can tell you this. I, I hope that the, the people who died are remembered again for how they lived mm-hmm. and not how they died. Uh, from everything I've heard about those people, they were good and holy people, stalwarts of their family and their community. They had gone to a place of peace on that day to be close to God. And that's a great legacy to leave behind. Mm-hmm. And I hope that their legacy for everyone is that and not the tragic circumstances of their senseless killing. That is well said. Uh, That's Bruce Ankoviak. He is a law professor, St. Vincent College. Bruce, we can't thank you enough for spending this hour with us. Thank you, Bruce, truly. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Our pleasure. Good night. It is a sad day. It's a day of reckoning, a day of justice that has been visited upon us. Pray for the families, the victims, the community, for all of us to pause on this day. Stay with us. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. Specializing in roof replacements for churches and places of worship for nearly 40 years. For the church roof replacement specialists in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, call 724-NEW-ROOF today for a free quote. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's $5,000, $50,000, or $500,000, we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids, no matter where you are, call now. 800-575-6745. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at TRA.com or call 800-575-6745. That's 800-575-6745. Tax Relief Advocates, real solutions for real people. If you've been praying for healing, this may be your moment. 
Billy Burke of Billy Burke World Outreach returns to Pittsburgh August 13th and 14th. Get ready for a transformative spiritual experience like none other and witness an evening of healing and divine encounters with renowned evangelist Billy Burke at the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry, 7 p.m. Sunday, August 13th, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, August 14th. Come expecting a miracle. Details at BillyBurke.org. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? right call, doing it right. 724 New Roof. Well, as you may have heard, we're getting on a boat. And you yourself are welcome to come along. You should really come. August 18th. It's a Friday evening after the show's over. Kath and I will drive down to the docks mm-hmm. where the Gateway Clipper um, is uh, stationed. Mm-hmm. We'll jump on board and uh, I mean, have we'll an walk on. We'll walk. I mean, I assume it's going to be close to shore when we arrive. <laughs> Can you imagine like us like throwing ourselves? <laughs> no. From the shore, no. We are the, the gangplank. The least nautical people you're going to meet, right? Right. I mean, you know, uh, I might wear another uh, theme, another nautically themed dress. Oh, mm-hmm. do you have like several of those in your wardrobe? Well, I got another one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hope I'm healthy by that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, I think Last I, year I wore a lobster dress. Oh, that was a, that was really cool. Yeah. I love that. Uh huh. I wore a fish shirt. You did. I think I have another fish shirt. Do you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a fish shirt. Anyway, wordfm.com. Come and join us. Seriously, it's super relaxed. And, of course, you're on the rivers. And the weather, it's always, you know, catch as catch can. But it's right. August. It's always beautiful. How I, bad can it be for no, crying out loud? I never get tired of the view, right? The it might have been the last one. No. Was it the first one we did where it was, like, torrentially raining? There were flash floods. Right before we left, though, it, was, it turned out pretty nice. Well, by the time we got the, I mean, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Like once we got through the first thirty minutes of the cruise, it was spectacular. Yeah. yeah. So wordfm.com. I mean, all things considered, I mean, it's fairly inexpensive for it a night out. It is fairly inexpensive. You know, it's and dinner. a lot of people who like us who've lived in Pittsburgh their whole lives have never gone on that cruise. Right. Never. So we invite you to join us. Yeah, okay? so you should come. And you know what's in your wardrobe? Maybe you could wear a lobster dress or a fish shirt as well. Yeah, maybe you'd want to, or maybe a, some other crustacean. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Get a shrimp dress. Okay, whatever. All right. Sea urchin. Wordfm.com. The Gateway Clipper Cruise. Orca. It's the uh, 18th of this month. It's just like two weeks away or so. So hammerhead shark. Fine. Just, as long as you're covered, that's fine on the open waters. Horseshoe crab. <laughs> Thank you.
101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. On MyPillow's 20th year anniversary, with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price is $69.98, and just $10 more for a king size. In addition to this special anniversary offer on the MyPillows, you'll also receive deep discounts on all My. Pillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to mypillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for $19.98 or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. This offer comes with a 10 year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and a 60 day money back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-391-0954, use promo code WORD. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime. It may sound a little corny, but it really is the good old summertime at the Springhouse in 84. The sun is shining, the cows are out on the pasture, the sweet corn is almost ready, the Springhouse produce tables are filled with freshly picked vegetables, and we're up to our elbows in ice cream. And you know what? That all makes the Springhouse a very fun place to be. Why not jump in the car right now for a country drive to 84? Come for homemade lunch or supper or just to eat ice cream and enjoy sweet country air. Be sure to take home our famous chocolate milk and baked goods. Don't forget that. We're just four miles east of Washington on Route 136, and it doesn't take long to get to us. Call 228-3339 for more directions to the Springhouse in 84. I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now. The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life. Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Friday, August 18th, join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress. It's our Faith and Family Dinner Cruise from 6.30 to 9. Enjoy a special night out for families, couples, and groups of friends. Featuring a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The ride homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. But don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise. Tonight we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a nighttime low of 61. Partly sunny, more humid tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 86. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 67. Partly sunny skies on tap for Friday with a thunderstorm. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. 
Hey, happy uh, afternoon to you here. <laughs> happy. Happy afternoon. Happy afternoon, John. So, we get caught up in the uh, Gateway Clipper talk there. We did. We're reminiscing about past cruises. We did. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're taking a cruise on the 18th of August. It's a Friday night. We want you to come. Mm-hmm. We've done this a couple other times. And uh, we've had sellouts both times. Right. And it's fun. If you've never been on the Gateway Clipper cruise and you're from Pittsburgh, you're in good company. Because a lot of people like bring guests from out of town right. and go on it. But they don't. we don't do it ourselves. Ha- Years ago, we took the kids on um, like the good a, ship lollipop. No, no, no. It was like a six. It was like a seven o'clock, and it was only for an hour. Okay, which was fun. You know, what we should do. We should invite. <laughs> we should invite all of our old producers to join us on the air. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Lexi's there. Right, She's right. representing right now. Right. We get uh, uh, classic right. Mike. Right. Uh, new Mike. New Mike. And Christy. And Christy. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that'd be good. I like we could idea. put them up on a dais, like at the like at a wedding. You right. know, when you have like the bridal table. Yeah, they could have Rigatoni with us. <laughs> okay, just say. <laughs> or they could be judges, and they could like <clears throat> they'd make us play some, you know, embarrassing game, and they'd pick which one of us wins. Remember that uh, we played that one game, and, and uh, management was like, "You guys, that went too long." And so then they they send the producer along with us to say, "Keep an eye on these two. Right. That, all right. Make sure they don't go too. Put a long. clamp on them, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what gosh. the heck is Anyway, uh, we spent the entire four o'clock hour talking about the um, reading of the of the uh, jury verdict in the Tree of Life case here in Pittsburgh, and uh, Bruce Ankoviak joined us from St. Vincent College, and Excellent he was. Job really so helpful mm-hmm. um and uh so if you missed any of that it, it would be a really great hour to check out on our podcast yep. the ride home with john and kathy so lex will make sure that that's posted at the end of today's show um so you can go back and listen to uh the details about the case he brought up a lot of things him being a law professor yeah. that i would have had no idea Excellent. about Follow for him. yeah okay so because of that we, we sort of missed the top four at four Oh, so we could do the so top four So do you have the four top five? four at five? You, sure. You yeah, 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 yeah. All I'm right. Good. Without further ado, then, here's the top four at five. It's hard to say. It's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. Number one. As I said, a panel of seven women and five men deliberated about 10 hours over two days and unanimously decided that Robert Bowers should be put to death for killing 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue nearly five years ago. Uh, It's the result that most of the victims' families wanted, according to today's trib, and one that prosecutors worked hard to earn. Uh, Word that a verdict had been reached started circulating at about 11.15 a.m. 25 minutes later, family members and friends of the 11 killed at the synagogue began to file into the courtroom. Um, Unlike in other earlier phases of the trial, the 12 deliberating jurors showed no visible emotion as the verdict was read. Um, There was no audible reaction. Bowers, as he has done throughout the trial, showed no reaction at all. Judge Colville thanked the jurors for their service, calling it, quote, a great responsibility and a great burden to bear. Appearing to choke up with his voice cracking slightly, the judge told the panel that he'd given the same speech to hundreds of juries over the years. Quote, I've never delivered it with as much sincerity as I did just now, he said. 
the victims, I think it's important to read these names, included Rose Malinger, age 97, Bernice Simon, age 84, and her husband, Sylvan, age 86. Brothers David and Cecil Rosenthal, ages 54 and 59. Dan Stein, age 71. Irving Younger, age 69. Dr. Jerry Rabinowitz, age 66. Joyce Feinberg, age 75. Melvin Wax, age 87. And Richard Gottfried, age 65. Number two, multiple shortages, a lack of mechanics, parts, and new vehicles combined with higher prices on all types of goods have hiked repair costs for cars this year by a substantial margin. The cost of car repairs was up by 19.7% on an annual basis. Americans are keeping their vehicles longer than ever because sticker prices for new cars are rising and existing vehicles are lasting longer. Shortages of new cars, which have contributed to higher prices, are also fueling the trend. And older cars, as you might know, John, mean more repairs. Yeah, somebody hit my car and went over the beach. Average body shop sales, you ready? Skyrocketed from 719,000 in 2020 to 929,000, a staggering 29% difference. That's according to Axios. Number three, the Biden administration will begin enforcing a nationwide ban on various types of popular light bulbs today. As part of its aggressive energy efficiency agenda, under the Department of Energy's regulations, manufacturers will be prohibited from selling (laughs) and retailers prohibited from selling incandescent and halogen bulbs. In April 2022, months after first proposing this rule, the DOE finalized regulations prohibiting certain light bulbs because of their low energy efficiency levels. The regulations that are in force now projected to save consumers an estimated $3 billion per year on utility bills and cut carbon emissions by 222 million metric tons over the next three decades. And I just have to say... I like incandescent lighting. Do you? Yes, for sure. But that's okay because I have LEDs all over my stinking house. Yeah, yeah. And number four, the beginning of the school year around here starts in less than three weeks. Among public school districts in six counties, the earliest start date is August 21st. That's Allegheny Valley, McKeesport, and North Allegheny. And only one school district in the area starting after Labor Day. That's Trinity in Washington County on September 5th. Okay. That's your top four at five. I mean, growing up, it was always after Labor Day for us. Listen, school should be over on Memorial Day, right? The Friday before yeah, Memorial yeah, Day yeah. weekend. And nobody should go back until the Tuesday after Labor Day. Right. Can we all agree on I, that? Well, apparently Can't not. Can we all just no, agree on that? What are we happen. doing? Why do we have to have all these different dates and everything? I was talking to somebody. Their kids go back to school next week. Why Kath? would? I, that's I terrible. It's horrible. Right? You see like the back to school ads and I start to get scared. When I, of course, when I come to power. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what will happen. Well, you're not too far from the seat. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think I am. If you I show think, up in your crustacean dress. Ma- many, maybe the, my crustacean dress would, mm-hmm. would cause people to trust me maybe more. Maybe so, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, Memorial Day is the end of school. Labor Day is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think it's to be so simple. The scariest moments of my young life, you would, first day of school always was you had to go to mass first. Okay. And so you, you know, like leave, I remember like walking into, into the church and seeing your new nun standing by the pew that you were supposed to go into. And it was like you were walking into an abyss. <laughs> I remember that like, and then you like, you couldn't look around. You had to look around sort of like side to side and see, okay, I, I'm back again. Here I am again. Br- this is going to be my new reality. Isn't that a brutal feeling? Oh. Like you give it up. Gosh. I'm going back in again. 
Did I ever tell you our family dog? Our family dog died in the first day of school. Cindy. Yeah. Mm. We were. Everyone was crying. We don't know if it was because of the first day of school or because the dog was dead. <laughs> Just saying. All right. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Dean Weaver. He's with us next. Stick around. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home here on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. Just remember this. The one to whom you're praying is the one who made heaven and earth. He's the creator God. Friend, I don't know what kind of problem you've got, but when you've got a resume like God has, he can help you. He can help you. What a great encouragement. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, When Your World Falls Apart, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive, and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65 Plus. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now. The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life. Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. If you've been praying for healing, this may be your moment. Billy Burke of Billy Burke World Outreach returns to Pittsburgh August 13th and 14th. Get ready for a transformative spiritual experience like none other and witness an evening of healing and divine encounters with renowned evangelist Billy Burke at the Doubletree by Hilton in Cranberry, 7 p.m. Sunday, August 13th, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, August 14th. Come expecting a miracle. Details at BillyBurke.org. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. The Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver is back with us in his regular monthly slot. Dean is the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Dean, friend, welcome back. How are things, sir? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing today? I can't complain. I'm a little under the weather, but, you know, such is life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, but 
We're getting him back to health. Thank I, you. I do believe we are. Uh, Dean, we spent the last hour talking about the reading of the verdict in the Tree of Life shooting. And uh, I feel like we've talked about it from a lot of different perspectives. And it's just a somber day in Pittsburgh. I mean, we're, we're grieving the terrible loss uh, that we all came up against five years ago. And now we're grieving just the, you know, the, com- the commutation of a death penalty. Well, I mean, I think uh, death uh, brings grieving, right? Because it, it's not, um, when we look at Genesis 1 and 2, that was not the way things were supposed to be. Um, it, it's, uh, it's an invasive species that comes in and, and, and seeks to kill and destroy, and death is just, it, it does that to us. It robs us of life. So whether you're dealing with the atrocity of a couple of years ago or revisiting it, um, it evokes the deepest, most profound things in us that says, you know what, it, this is not the way things were supposed to be. Right. And so um, as painful as grieving is, it's it's also the healthy response to something like this. It should be grieved. And, um, and we ought not to rush through that grief because that grief is there to help us process something that is part of the fallenness of this world. And we, we need to be able to just not compartmentalize that, but, but process it in healthy ways. So it doesn't come out in anger or it doesn't come out, in, you know, for personal uh, loss. It doesn't come out in, in other expressions of uh, mental and emotional uh, dishealth. Mm-hmm. So grieving is hard. Uh, it's not pleasant, uh, but it's also necessary. And in the case when you have these kind of situations where you're dealing with this, just uh, you know the the, the the horror of of the scale and the gravity of, of the situation and, mm-hmm. and death um, you know it, it's the means that we've been given to cope and I think the Holy Spirit meets us in that if we're honest mm-hmm. in that I think it meets us in that and and both gives us hope and healing and and um, and, uh, and and maybe even uh, moves us towards solutions uh, if we if we listen well mm-hmm. Dean I Kath and I talk about this because in our circles, and I think, you know, this happens, right? You get older and people that you've had relationships with, you've known and loved for decades, they're here one day and then they're gone. And it, and you would think that as you get older, you get you would, used to it, you would, but it perplexes me. I just can't believe it. Sometimes I think, wait, that person's gone. I love the, I love that guy. And my heart just doesn't make sense of it all. And I know it, I kind of think, oh, is this a theological weakness in me that I don't embrace this, even though I know there's better things here that, you know, they are with the Lord, but it just, it's still just, I'm flummoxed by death. I truly am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not supposed to be that way. Every, everything inside of you says, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't wish I could talk to my dad again. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and he he lived to 93 um, he lived a good life. In fact, uh, the day before he died, he brought all of his family in and gave them a lecture. I mean, you know, his, his mind was sound. He was flirting with the nurses. He was sharing the yeah. gospel with people. Like, he, he, he was vibrant the very last breath. Um, and for 93 years. And, and that's, that's to be celebrated, right? But there's not a day that goes by that I don't think, oh, I'd love to talk to him one more time. Because the, the reality is... We were made in the image of God to be eternal. We were made to, to 
to have him here to talk to for always. And the reality is there's now this gap uh, between when he dies and when I die where I don't get to talk to him. Um, there will come a day when we will be talking again, um, but but there's this gap that, that death creates, and there's something deep inside of us that says, that's not right. And you don't even have to be a Christian to feel that. You just watch the news, and you see the, the, the indiscriminate death, the mass shootings, all of these different incredible atrocities, and you go, this is just not right. And, and, they, and the reality is that's true. It, it, it isn't right. God did, did not create the world uh, to have death. We did that. We brought that in because of our disobedience. And uh, the good news of the gospel is that death is not the final answer. And so we cling with hope to this notion that is completely unique to, to Christianity versus any other world religion or philosophy, is that we believe in resurrection from the dead, mm. that the death is not the end. I was watching a, a movie, and I won't mention the name of it on the radio, or your audience will probably think me not a good person. But I was watching this movie, and at the end of the movie, the one guy says to the others, do you think he's in heaven, or do you think he's in hell? And the other guy goes, who knows? <laughs> That's how the movie ends. Huh. <laughs> who knows? You know, And it's just like, and it's because it's a totally secular movie, that not even remotely Christian, um, and yet that's where they landed at the end. Yeah. Like, that was sort of the point of the movie. Like, we're, we're preoccupied with death. Um, you, know, you know, if you don't believe me, wait till Halloween comes up. Right, uh, right, we're, right. We're, we're preoccupied with it. And yet, at the same time, we're unsettled by it. And the, I think most people's uh, deepest anxiety is that, well, what if that's it? <laughs> you know, and I and, and the, the beauty is, is that, you know, we have um, good news that it is that is not it. There is something on the other side that can be totally restorative so that all of these things like the atrocity of the tree of life, that there's a time and a place where that doesn't happen anymore, that that goes away. There is shalom. There's there's wholeness, completeness, fullness, perfection, beauty, all of those things. And the, the problem is we, we see in a mirror dimly. Uh, we experience glimpses of that, and so we need faith to, to help us cling, sometimes with white knuckles. Uh, we need faith to help us cling to that belief because, you know, we know that it's true, and we've even experienced it in our own lives. You know, it's the nature of the Christian life is, is you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me, right? That's what Paul says. And Jesus is take up your cross and follow. He says it's the nature of following Jesus um, who gave up his life, went to death so we could have life. It is the very nature of who we are. We are resurrection people. And, and we cling to that at times like this, because when we experience death of a, my dad or of something tragic like the Tree of Life, we realize this, this isn't the way it was supposed mm -hmm. to be. Dean, what do you say to people who are listening to the show and they're thinking, you know, I... You have no idea how much I've been hurt by the church or, you know, I just heard another news report last night about the horror of the um, sex abuse scandal involving the Roman Catholic Church in the country of Portugal. Um, now, we've heard about that in multiple countries, but that was just the one that popped on the radio last night. And I just I just thought to myself, God, how many millions of people? 
have been exposed to the horror of the church instead of the beauty of the church. Um, so what do you say to those people, Dean? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it depends on the person, Kathy, and it depends on the conversation. Because the person who's raw, the person who has suffered abuse from the church, that, you're not going to have a rational conversation where you try to argue your point and try to convince them that there's beauty in the church as well. You, all you can do at that point is say, you're right, I don't understand the pain that you have suffered, and I can only tell you I am deeply, deeply, deeply sorry, and I grieve that for you and with you, and I, if I could wave my wand and take it away, I would. I can't. I'm so sorry. And all you can do is, is, is offer the gift of presence and empathy and understanding, and, and no correct answer is going to kind of redirect their thinking. Now, for the person who's just kind of the agnostic who's throwing that up, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a point of objection to considering Christianity, um, you know, there's lots of ways in which you can interact with that and just say, well, you know, yes, uh, I will acknowledge those things, but will you acknowledge the other things? Will you acknowledge the hospitals that have been built, the orphanages that have been built, the, the people who've been delivered from trafficking? Will you acknowledge the lives that have been impacted? Because I think if you if you were to put together a ledger sheet and tally those things up, and you just were going on purely you know existential circumstances, right. I think the ledger on what the church has done that has contributed to the well-being of, and the common good of society is far greater than than the atrocities that have occurred, uh, even historically. If you added them all up, I think the ledger would tip it in the favor of the of the church. At the end of the day, the church is not a human institution, and you have to help people distinguish between um, the hurt that they have experienced, the injustice that has occurred, that has been perpetuated, supported, defended. You know by the human institution as opposed to the true church and being able to kind of differentiate and say, look, um, yes, the institutional religion has done those things, but the church, which is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the spiritual entity, uh, the spiritual building, Paul calls it, um, that is a different thing than the thing that has uh, so hurt so many. And it points us to Jesus, who has never hurt you and would never hurt you, and stands for justice and stands for your healing and stands against the oppressor and for the victim. Um, look at his life, look at his ministry, and, and that is his, his bride, whom he is joined to, and is, has oneness with, um, uh, is beautiful. And, and, and the best we can do is, is point them to that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if someone has really experienced those kind of atrocities, um, rather than give them the correct answers, uh, we need to give them our uh, understanding, empathy, and unconditional love. Yeah, I'm into that. I don't know. You know, uh, there's so many good churches. I'm so grateful. I mean, I look forward to going to church on Sunday. I just, I love my congregation, the people that are there, the community that, you know, I'm in contact with throughout the week. And I know it's easy to sort of, you know, throw spitballs at the church and go that and wave your finger and, you know, the secular world, you know, downgrades it all. But man, 
I mean, thank God for the church and yeah. for the power of that and for the most wonderful people who go there and who are part of that as deeply flawed as we all are. If if that didn't exist, I, I don't know what the heck would happen to us. I mean, the, the world is so broken. Well, I don't mean to conflate these things, John, but it, it's kind of like the conversation we have about our country. Am, am I capable of saying I love the United States? Yeah. I would die for her, but she's deeply flawed. Can I say both? Yes. Right. Can, can I say I love the church? Yes. I would die for her, but she is deeply flawed. Yes. Like I, 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 I love my mother. I would die for my mother, but she was deeply flawed. Mm. <laughs> like, like I, I think we're capable, and we ought to be able to say both of those things. You, you don't have to say you love the church and be blind to the things that have mm. occurred, and you don't have to to, to tear apart the church um, and and admit and miss all the, the beauty and good things the church has done. I, I think it would be refreshing to most people if if the conversation was not an either-or, but a healthy, balanced both and. Yeah. And I think if the church could start that conversation on her own behalf and say, look, we own up to this. You're right. Yeah. That is true. But would you also be willing to consider that these other things are also true? And on balance, then, if we can have that conversation, could we then turn your attention to the one who is who is perfect in every respect that the church is intended to, to marry us to? Mm-hmm. Um, could we turn our attention to that instead of these other things uh, if we acknowledge them openly and honestly? And I think, you know, rather than hiding our problems, rather than, you know, kind of whitewashing them or rather than trying to justify our actions— you know, I think the the more we own them, uh, we're capable of doing that at the same time and still loving the church. I, I think it's got to be a both end. That's good. That's the Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of America, also co-founder and former president of EduNations and a frequent guest on our show. Dean, we appreciate your time and always good to hear from Thank you, Thank you, friend. Dean. Always good to be with you guys. That was a good word. Really, really do appreciate it. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Come back. It's a daily feature. It's it's the triumphant return. Ah, does this make sense? That's straight ahead on the ride home. Maybe you have a, a junior or a senior in high school, and you're thinking ahead. Okay, let's go and let visit different colleges. You, you've done this, right? This is this is how this works. I remember going with my son when he was an early senior in high school. We went to Grove City College. We were there maybe an hour, and he turned to me and said. This is my school. And I was like, what do you mean? This is the first place we visit. He said, no, this is where I belong. I feel it. I know this is what I want to do. Hmm. Funny, we had a similar situation in our family, except I wasn't on the trip. It was my husband with our daughter. And uh, she was at the end of her junior year in high school hmm. and took a trip up to Grove City. And she had already kind of decided she was going to go to Pitt because I went to Pitt um, and because she, she kind of grew up in Oakland. She went up there, did the tour, came home, and said, that's where I want to go. And I said, wait what a minute. Did you what? Go see? What, are you, what are you talking about? It's your first place, yeah, right? Yeah, but that's where she wanted to go, and that's where she went. If you've not been to Grove City, you really got to see the place. It's a 180-acre campus, beautiful, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. It'll feel like home. So if your child, junior, senior in mm-hmm. high school, thinking about where to land, schedule a visit. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you're going to love what you see. Find out more information online anytime, gcc.edu. That's Grove City College. John's family loved it. I loved it. You might too.
If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a nighttime low of 61, partly sunny, more humid tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 86. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 67. Partly sunny skies on tap for Friday with a thunderstorm. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? A hard-boiled egg. Now, it's a little rubbery. The texture can be off-putting to some. There's a great variance in how people think you should get to the hard-boiled egg stage, whether you should cover the pan, you should only do it for 12 minutes, you should put the egg in at the beginning or not until the water's boiling. There's a lot of, you know... But the final product. Does that make sense? You're asking me? Uh-huh. Yeah, it makes 100% sense. That's it. 100%. Here's what you do. You're asking me? Yep. You peel that egg, mm-hmm. and then you get your Louisiana hot sauce. Oh. Couple of little jiggers on that. Yeah. Pop it in. You're good to go. And the yolk that goes with it. Now, the yolk, always kind of like suspect to me. But you, but you don't feel like it's done enough? Well, no, it's just kind of dry and gag in the mouth. Oh, I mean, really? A I little love too dry. A little too much. Of okay. Me. I get to down it with something, you know. Okay. But the uh-huh. the egg itself, the whole experience, very pleasing. It makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. For you? Uh, it makes so much sense that I what? I just I can't get over how delicious it could become. Mm. I mean, I I just made some a couple days ago, and I love the smell of opening the refrigerator. Yeah. And the hard-boiled egg smell is profound. It's waiting in it, there. It, it kind of just comes at you. Yeah. Oh, it And does. it's so delicious. And it just makes me want to grab a salt shaker and just... I don't need the hot sauce. You don't? I just need Preferred. some salt. Okay. Uh, but I, and it makes everything better, like a salad. Of course. What about a sandwich? It's, it's just... So you're saying it makes sense, too? It makes so much sense. All right, sense. that's good. All right, does this make sense? I've been under the weather, as you well know. Somebody... People are suggesting... Somebody suggested, a friend of mine, oh, get the old hot water bottle out. Mm-hmm. The hot water bottle, like, is to me, that's kind of like 
an antique. Like they're going to put leeches on my head or something like that. <laughs> is what I feel like. We got to bleed them out. Yeah, but the hot no. water bottle. I, I'm. I, I. I don't. I don't think I even own a hot water bottle. Are you asking me? Yeah. Does it make sense? The hot water bottle is essential Get and out. is absolutely the most sensible. What? If you're starting a new home, I would say like job three. What? I mean, after like get your keys to the front door and a plate to eat on, get yourself a hot water bottle. What, like a housewarming gift? Yes. Get out of here. Yes. They would laugh you out of... Yes. Hey, I know you get you got a new apartment. Oh, I heard you getting married. Here's a hot water bottle. Exactly. Get out of here. That's how I feel. That's how important a hot water bottle is. Medicinal? I use it all the time. It's comfort. Uh, what? It's comfort. It's warmth. It it's everything. It shouldn't. Like the red bottles. It's still oh, red. Wrong. I don't like it. 101.5 WORD. A songbook for the human heart is how Dr. J. Vernon McGee describes the book of Psalms. Hop aboard the Bible bus as we set off for the Psalms this week on Through the Bible. We're going to learn that life is hard, but God is good. And the person that walks by faith in God walks between these two realities every day of their life. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. If you're like me, one of the best parts of summer is a solid garage sale. Or let's be honest, most of what's going on is not great. I'm talking to you, scary 1980 Cabbage Patch Kid doll. But almost always amidst a scary clutter is a fantastic deal and opportunity to be found. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and the same thing is going on in the new home purchase market right now. High interest rates are cabbage patch scary, but they've also created a big opportunity because high interest rates have brought home prices down, at least for now, meaning an opportunity to buy the dream home now because the price of a home is forever. But the plan to refinance the scary rate when rates settle, which many experts believe is in the near future. Know we've got a direct lender advantage that can often save you monthly and lifelong money and a $1,000 lender credit at closing for all Word FM listeners. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. This is an important notice to all U.S. taxpayers. The IRS is giving away billions of dollars in tax savings through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative to aid delinquent taxpayers. This initiative was established for anyone facing financial hardship and unable to pay their back taxes. Qualifying and enrolling in this program will stop all collections, settle your delinquent tax problem, and Even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars. Call the hotline at People's Tax Relief to see if you qualify and get this free information by dialing 800-548-6839. If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-548-6839. There's nothing harder than losing someone we love. When the loss is sudden, our faith is tested. In his book, Seasons of Sorrow, Christian blogger Tim Challies documents his family's journey after the death of his son. He takes us through the first year with a vulnerable openness about how his family dealt with grief and how they found comfort in the gospel. Request Seasons of Sorrow at truthforlife.org slash donate. Transfiguration. 
Frederica Matthews Green is with us. She is the author of The Jesus Prayer. This is a book that we love. Also, um, the, welcome to the Orthodox Church. Very interesting. And from an Orthodox perspective, we are always happy to have Frederica with us. She brings a, a, a different perspective, I believe, mm-hmm. in our Christian faith. And Frederica, welcome back. How are you? Hi, John. Well, it's always good to be with you guys. Yes, yeah, always. So, Frederica, um, you're... Uh, and all of your Orthodox uh, family and friends are entering into a period of fasting. Is that true? Yes, yes, that's right. That encompasses um, that transfiguration happens in the middle of that. But beginning August 1st to the 15th, we keep to a vegan diet. Hmm. And that is because traditionally the Virgin Mary died on August 15th. So we're kind of entering a period of mourning leading up to that day. Interesting. Okay, so this is from obviously an an Orthodox perspective, Frederica. Talk (laughs) to us about the transfiguration for people who are without that knowledge. What exactly is it? Yes, uh, the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ is an amazing event that that happened in his life, and it is reported in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So that's very strong testimony to the, the realness of this occurrence. And it's kind of a strange story. Um, it, it begins by saying, after six days, and you're flipping back pages and It's not really clear what happened six days earlier, but after six days, and it tells us that Jesus took three of his followers up to the top of a mountain. It was identified as Mount Tabor, which is, uh, it's in Galilee. It's not too far from Nazareth. So he took three of his followers, and those are Peter, James, and John. And there's another little mystery to me there, because Peter, James, and John were like the inner core. But, you know, Peter had a brother named Andrew. James and John were brothers. Both of them are there. Peter's there, but not Andrew. Anyway, I've always wondered about that, Mm. why Andrew must have been very humble, you know, willing to to stay outside big events like this. Um, But Peter, James, and John went up this high mountain uh, with Jesus And when they got to the top, the scripture says that um, his face began to glow. It says he was transfigured. Uh, The Greek word is metamorphosis. He metamorphosed in front of them, in front of their eyes. His face began to glow. He became filled with light. Even his clothing became so white, so dazzling that they couldn't look at it. And um, Peter, uh, famous for saying stupid things, (laughs) Um, let us build three booths for you, for um, you and Elijah and Moses, because the three of them were talking, all engulfed in light. And at that moment, a voice came from heaven, interrupted Peter, and said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And at that Peter, James, and John are so terrified. They fell to their faces. They fell to the ground. And Jesus came over to them and said, get up, get up. And they saw, they saw nothing, only him. The light was gone. The, the prophet and Moses were gone. Um, so it was just, just the three of them with Jesus up on the mountain at that point. So there's, boy, there's so much to be um, deduced from yeah. this particular story. 
it says in our Orthodox ancient hymns, one is that um, Jesus was transfigured before them and they beheld his glory as far as they could bear it. Mm. So that lets us know this, this was not really a transformation of Jesus because he was always full of glory. He just usually concealed it from human eyes because it was overwhelming. And at that moment, he let them see it insofar as they could bear it to the limit, to the human limit of com- comprehension. Wow. And another of our hymns says um, he was transfigured so that they would know when he suffered on the cross that it was voluntary. When they saw him on the cross, they would know this man is oh, because, so the transfiguration would show them how much power he had that yes, he wasn't yes. using. That's right. Okay. That he was he was willingly withholding his power. So the crucifixion, which was so baffling to them, the one thing they could know was he doesn't have to do this. He's agreeing to do this for some reason. So the depth of it was uh, concealed from their eyes as well. Mm. So it's a um, it's a very intense story with all these things going on, and um, I, I think one of the things that's interesting to me is that Peter, James, and John, Peter wrote two epistles that are in the Bible, and John wrote a gospel and three epistles and the the Revelation. So both of them wrote later. Um, James never wrote anything. He's kind of a mystery in in the gospel. We don't know why he was a a favorite. But both um, Peter very clearly, John a little more clearly, talk about what they saw. And Peter says in 2 Peter 1, um, we did not follow cleverly designed myths when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Mm. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Mm. So John writes about it. Um, Peter writes about it very clearly. John begins his first epistles by emphasizing that he was there, that he saw Jesus, that it was real. It wasn't just um, a a made-up story. Mm -hmm. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So... um, to me, it's interesting that both of them wrote about it, one very clearly, one a little more obliquely. Um, but even more than that is that Peter said, and John said, that this glory they saw in Jesus is meant to be for all of us, that all of us will bear this glory one day. Peter in Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, he called us to his own glory, that you may escape the corruption in the world and become partakers of the divine nature. And St. John says, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. I mean, Federico, as you describe this, 
I think about Peter and John and, and their witness. You would never, I, I, I mean, the rest of the world would seem like an ash heap in comparison to what you've experienced. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's so true. At that moment when they fall to their faces. Yes. And, and to think then Jesus comes up and kind of pats them on the shoulder and they look around and the whole world is, you know, returned to the original channel, you know, it's like suddenly we're back in this life yes. and boy, their, their eyes must've been almost burned by that light. Now this is interesting to, to us, Frederica. Um, we do not like you do from an Orthodox perspective, follow along with the church calendar mm-hmm. as intimately mm-hmm. and as yeah. powerful as you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, by listening to you, I feel as though we're missing out. Oh, <laughs> I would sure feel like I was missing out if I didn't have this. Yes. You know, and it's not only that it's very inspiring, but it's also when you're not feeling very inspired, mm-hmm. you know, when yeah. uh, the day of, Pentecost, day of Transfiguration is coming August 6th, or it's this Sunday. Anybody who would like, go to one of your neighborhood um, Orthodox churches and, and you'll enjoy it. It's when we bless grapes or blessed fruit, or anything you bring from your garden, so there's a, a festive quality. But but I was going to say, when we come around to a feast, even something like Transfiguration, if I'm grumpy, or I'm worried about the budget, or I can go, I'm fully capable of going to worship and thinking about other things almost the whole time. Hmm. Um, it makes me go, though. And it yeah. makes me have to remember these stories. It puts me face-to-face with it whether or not I feel like thinking about that today. That's good. So that's, that's a good thing, too. Very powerful. Wow. Well, Frederica, thank you so much. I, the transfiguration is something that just doesn't get talked about very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, yeah. I, I don't even know if I can think of a sermon that was ever preached on the transfiguration, but it's always been such a fascinating story for me. So I appreciate you having it on your mind. All right. Good talking to you. You as well. Always a great pleasure. Frederica Matthews Green. Listen, uh, the Jesus Prayer, the ancient desert prayer that tunes the heart to God. It's a wonderful book. Look for Frederica online. Frederica Matthews Green. We love her. find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide absolutely free. Call 800-822-1388. 800-822-1388. 800 I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned about atrial fibrillation the hard way. My symptoms would come and go. Shortness of breath, fatigue. I kept going. Then I got so lightheaded, I couldn't. My doctor said I have AFib, so I'm about five times more likely to have a stroke. Other symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain can come and go, but the risk of stroke stays. If you have symptoms, tell a doctor. Visit notimetowait.com. Sponsored by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Did you know you can get your prescriptions for less at your local pharmacy? You can with GoodRx. It's the free app that can save you money on your medications. Just search for your prescription, choose the pharmacy and the price that works best for you, and then show your GoodRx coupon to your pharmacist at the drop-off counter. GoodRx works at over 70,000 pharmacies, including Walmart, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, and it works whether you have insurance or not. 
It's easy to save. Next time you drop off your prescription, check GoodRx. To start saving today, go to GoodRx.com. GoodRx is not insurance. Your home is the place where you know your loved ones are secure. But the things that keep your home protected can't keep pests at bay. That's where RAID comes in. For 60 years, RAID scientists have worked to protect people around the world with trusted research, ingredients, testing standards, and product efficacy. RAID seeks to create a better future for all, especially the ones you love most. RAID, protection for all. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750 or BigLou.com. You open up your phone and you end up watching reels, right? Short video. I'm not even sure how it happens. It's not healthy is what it is. Probably not. The things you see. I know. Okay, but the... So most of mine are cats. Lex, I know you're with me, right? Yeah, for the most part. We're both committed to cat videos Mm -hmm. uh, because they're super cute. I'm also here for dog videos. Sure. And I saw a really cute chinchilla last night with a balloon. What? Uh, But today, the bear video that I saw was I laughed out loud. The Chinese? It is the Chinese bear video. Lex, have you seen this? I have seen it. Is it hilarious? It's incredible. I love it so much. It's not really a bear. Okay. Yes, it is a bear. Okay. So the it, le, okay. So the video is droopy of, pants. Is of a <laughs> is of a particular type of bear, which mm-hmm. I don't remember, uh, and it is standing up on its hind legs, mm-hmm. and it looks truly, it looks like a dude in a bear suit doing stand up. It doesn't look like a bear. No, it doesn't. It doesn't look like a bear. But if you watch the entire video, once the bear drops to all fours, of course it's a bear. He does? Yes. It's a Malian sun bear standing on its hind legs. The back of his pants are like, you know, baggy. Right. It seriously looks like a dude. And he's kind of thin. It's a little skinny guy. And he's very expressive with his face. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not so sure. I think I've watched it 10 times, maybe more, probably more than 10. I mean, it'd be a long trip to go to that that zoo in China, wouldn't it? So, but do you see the part of the video though where the bear is? No, I'm, I'm down not, on all fours. I see this. That looks like a bear to me. Okay, good. The, the the entire video will show the bear. Okay. Going from a standing position to a all fours position. Now we talked about this a while. I haven't been to the zoo probably in fifteen years. 
Uh, it hasn't been that long for me. When our kids were little, yeah, we would go. Yeah, we were go, there all the time. Yeah, but it's been a long time. We don't time. have any of those zoos in no, Pittsburgh. We don't, no, Or any of those zoos. Any was, of those bears in Pittsburgh. Remember the, the zoo enclosure, the Pittsburgh Zoo? I, it's probably changed by... It was like a sheer rock wall that they were involved in. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Is that still there, I wonder? Well, probably. Like I bet years. it's still there. It kind of felt like yeah. Well, you didn't like it I because just, you, you, know, yeah, just, you and your yeah. thing about what? It. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying you just tend to think that animals shouldn't be in zoos. They shouldn't be. Okay. <laughs> they shouldn't. Well. I, I mean, seriously. Anyway, you should just Google like zoo in China denies its bears are mm-hmm. humans in yeah. disguise because we're not the only three people who thought this looked like a guy. It looks super fake. Right. For multiple thousands of people, they were like, that's not a bear. That's some guy wearing some baggy bear suit. When China's so big. And there's a lot of weird stuff there. You there is. There, right? Well, the, America's pretty big. It is pretty. And there's and a lot of weird a lot, stuff here as well. There's a lot of weird stuff right, here. That's, true, that's yeah. for sure. Speaking of weird stuff, yeah. uh, the two of us are going to be on a cruise well, uh, on the Three Rivers. What's weird about few, that? Well, because we are weird. The only thing that's weird is, is your uh, choice of outfit. Oh, yeah, because I wear some marine life. When, what, what was it So I had year? a lobster dress. Was, a red, was it a red lobster it was, dress? It was blue with red lobsters. Okay. Yeah. And this year, I found another dress that also has a marine theme. Now, see, I, I, generally, does I could care less. Does that put pressure on you? It does. That's a, exactly what I was going to say. Like, I, like I, I shouldn't have brought less. it up. No, now all of a sudden, I get to go, oh, oh. You don't have to. Here, here's me. What am I going to wear? Right. Like, Lexi found a shrimp dress on Amazon. Oh, so. okay. All right. So she's going to wear a shrimp dress, maybe? No, she not. I'm showing up to the function in a shrimp dress. Nice. I don't know what to say. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well. Mm-hmm. I'll wear a fisherman's hat. I mean, all I can say is if you want to be left out, be left out. No, I don't want to be left out. Sorry. Right? Then it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like the Halloween thing here, which I choose to be left out of. No kidding. And right? then you mock me on well, you know, in video form for people to look at 12 right. months Anyway, a year. we would say come and join us August 18th. It's a Friday evening. But you have to get your tickets because the deadline is coming up. Right. We're given a final count. But really, we've done this a couple of times before. Always a lot of fun. Yeah, and it always sold out. Beautiful night on the mm-hmm. rivers, and was it six thirty to nine thirty or? Yeah, I believe to... we leave, we take off. Take you don't take off on a boat. Take well, you off. set sail. Yeah, what we set. Well, there's no there's sail. no sail. It's a barge, basically. You embark is the. We oh. embark. Thank you. You right. know what? She's watched the love boat. Uh huh. We are embarking now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, six thirty p.m. All right. So wordfm.com. You'll see the details. I mean, considering it for a nice night out in the town. Fairly inexpensive. Yep, and we'll have a great time. All right, so we hope that you join us in in that as well. Okay, the aforementioned uh, podcast up and running. Lex will post that as soon as we leave the air. And if you want to go back and uh, listen, please do. Anything else? Have a great night, Pittsburgh. Very nice, okay. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.